Etsy has it, everyone. Yes, it's true. Etsy is where style seekers, vintage hunters, longtime renters, and new homeowners alike go to shop for style home decor and gifts from independent sellers. Are you looking for signature jackets, handwoven linens, and personalized jewelry for your wardrobe? Etsy has it. Or maybe some stunning artwork, pillows, and rugs for your home. Etsy has it. How about gifts for any occasion, like handmade throw blankets, mugs, totes, and rings? Yep, Etsy has it. There's so much to discover, and we can't wait for you to find what your style-seeking, home-upgrading, gift-giving heart desires. Whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's serveware and table linens for entertaining, or a handbag and a perfect jacket to make sure you're looking like your best self at any given moment, this is your invitation to find it. Because Etsy has it. Find home, style, and gifts for you for all budgets and any occasion. Etsy has it. Shop Etsy.com. Back, 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 back. Okay, baby. You're listening to the dollop. This is an American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, read a story from American history to man. Your best friend, Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about. However, this week I would say that I do know, because we just talked about the oysters a bunch, and now we're ready to go. You know what? I won't even say any of that. Yeah. When was the last time you ate an oyster? Uh, Dave? I honestly have no clue. I, 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 I don't know. Twenty years, maybe like the first time I had one when I was like, "Oh, that shouldn't be a thing." Yeah, I've only had one in my life. Uh, uh, yeah, I, was I think tw- I've probably early had oysters maybe three three times, and each time it's been someone telling me my first experience was incorrect and I should try again. <laughs> and then I'm like, "All right," and then I go, "No, no, I'm right. This is not for me." No, it's not good. I worry no. about people. No, that my wife loves them. It's bad. She's arranged it's time i mean you've been saying for a while that it's time you know yeah it's time yeah and i think that this is kind of the much like the oysters it's on the rocks yeah well done greth thank you i'd like to buy an a dave i'm just gonna jump in and tell people we have a fall tour uh we will be going uh in the around the midwest a little bit uh in october Bloomington, October 7th, Chicago, October 10th, Milwaukee, October 11th, Madison, October 12th, St. Paul, October 14th. Go to dollopodcast.com, click on the little tour link, and you can join us. We'll have merch. Dave's having a Coors Light. The beer of the dollop. Nazi water. We love the stuff. It's fantastic. We're in episode two, and Dave's mustache is still the same creepy... Fog version of a mustache. Didn't work. What are you drinking there, bud? You got a Rocky koozie? Man, you are, dare I say, this is what half of the country pictures when they think of a millionaire. Drinking whatever you're drinking from a koozie that plays the Rocky theme. That's right. Some people live large, oh, other man. people don't. C- congratulations. Thank you. You found yourself. Well, everybody has to find their place. I like you again. 
I like you again. <laughs> I didn't like you for a while. I like you again. 1860, year of our Lord, J-Town, the man who can water ski while wearing a halter top. I wonder if he, do you think he dredges? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that would be work. The New York oyster boom had begun. The late 1800s were basically oyster mania. They were everywhere, eaten by everyone. Visiting English seemed to be the only one who were not into New York oysters. Frederick Marriott said they were large, but he didn't like the taste. Charles McKay wrote, quote, The stranger cannot but remark the great number of oyster saloons, oyster and coffee saloons, and oyster and Ugh. lager beer saloons. In these, as oyster, in the hotel. Oyster and coffee sounds like a punishment. <laughs> in these, as in the hotels, oysters as large as a lady's hand are to be had at all hours. Oysters for breakfast, dinner, and lunch what, and supper. What's with how we what's with how we talk about the size of things? This is the size of a baby. Yeah, I would say it's about the hand size of I don't know, a lady hand. How else are you going to describe your food if not to compare it with a body part? It's like a dog tail. You know what I mean? I would like a it's hot like half dog, your couch. A hot dog the size of a foot. Yeah, well, yeah. And then there we did. We did We did, we did go with it. We did that. Oyster cellars were uh, they spanned the now? How the are you gamut. spelling that? Cellar, C E L L A R, cellar. I was honestly hoping that that was not the way we were. This is go, how we're okay. going. So oyster cellars uh, span. The, it's the whole gamut. It's everything from luxurious to just the sleaziest, grossest places. And they're in basements. That's why they're called oyster cellars. All over the city, many are now all you can eat. Europeans said Americans ate, quote, inconceivable quantities. (laughs) Can you imagine when the first guy, like, came up with all you can eat? Like, people being like, what do you mean? Like, well, just as much as you can fill yourself with. Like, well, yeah, but I don't, I guess I don't understand. Well, just until you're so stuffed, you're done. (laughs) Wow, what a weird. And then, like, it caught on. Yeah. Of course it caught on. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so they're all over the place. Uh, people are eating several dozen oysters in a sitting. If they had too many Sweet at the all-you-can-eat buffet, the owner would give them an oyster with a slightly open shell, hoping it would cause them food poisoning so they would stop. Yeah, that's very interesting. My br- I, My brother... One time we went to Sizzler, and he got all-you-can-eat shrimp, and they started, like, putting so much salt on them to <laughs> stop him. Because he'd, like, he'd, like, saved... He, had like, hadn't eaten all day, and we yeah. went there at, like, 7. And then he was, like... He, he They were, like... He was, like, they're salting these. And, like, the last batch, he was, like... Ugh, wow. On, guys. Amazing. Yeah. Each oyster saloon has a red, red balloon outside. And a red light. <laughs> They're 
purposefully like a siren like stop <laughs> help us this is an emergency of society they're purposely trying to associate it with the red light district right sex workers what you want to bang one it's a purposeful connection to sex work because uh, oysters are considered an aphrodisiac romans used to have oysters on the menu at orgies <laughs> bro it's like Hard enough to get me to an orgy, but man, if you're like, plus, we'll be eating oysters during the fornication. Here you are. There you are. Enjoy that. In English? Have you ever had an oys? Have you ever had an oigasm? Oh, you must. Oh, you must. You'd be like, hey, I don't know what is the pile of cum and which one's the oyster. I'm having trouble distinguishing. Jesus Christ. We just lost so many. I'm sorry. We lost so many. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In English literature centuries before, oysters... Boy, I just had the tastiest oyster. What? Uh, some of us can't find our loads. I thought you just apologized. I, now I'm sorry more. I'm more sorry. I just wanted to, like, you know... <laughs> now, look, let... <laughs> no. One of these plates is for oysters and the other is for ejaculate. Now, let's be very clear where we're laying this. Because some people have been eating... What are you doing? Uh, I'm trying to stop myself, but it's like... (laughs) I know it's naughty, and I find it funny. It's really hard. In English literature, centuries before, oyster women, or oyster wench, was a woman who either sold oysters or was of low character. Oh, my God. They're like this... Bro, I'm going out with an oyster (laughs) wench. Oh, God, what? What are you talking about? Dude. Dude, she's an oyster. But I love her, dude. She's my oyster wench. Wait, does she serve oysters or is she, uh, uh, you know. You... No, she just sucks. Oh, shit. Okay. That's good. Yeah. She's a low character person. There were several popular oyster brands, Great South Bay and Prince's Bay's. Uh, uh, they also had subdivisions. Great South Bay oysters could be Blue Points, Fire Island Salts, and Gardner Salts. When Charles Dickens tours America again, he is taken to the fanciest oyster cellar, Downings. The bill for the party mm. at Downings came to $2,200. Wow. When the mayor heard about the bill, he called Downing, quote, the great man of oysters. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. So, it's so dumb. I don't know. So it's it just so it's dumb and just normalized beyond <laughs> repair. It's, it's over. The great man of oysters. <laughs> when Dickens wrote about it, his trip, uh, he said the oysters disappeared down, quote, gaping gullets, a solemn and awful sight to see. But there was one comfort. It was soon over. <laughs> That's how I'm feeling. He, That's oh, how I feel about this. This is also what you like. He also called oysters, quote, piles of indigestible matter. Yeah. Yes. He, he was right. Yeah, he is right. He's, it's disgusting. Now, Thomas Downing, the guy who owns Downing's, was... Uh, the, you mean, sorry, the great man of oyster? The great man of oyster. 
was born into a free black family in Virginia in 1791, and he was one of the people who moved to Sandy Ground, Staten Island. Okay. Uh, he was an experienced oysterman in Virginia, and most oyster sellers at the time were run by uh, black people. Okay. So some would turn their apartments into oyster cellars on the weekend. Ah, I don't love it. I don't love the weekend party either. <laughs> That's the worst thing ever. I don't you're, love a lot of it. Friday and Saturday, I don't love a lot. your house becomes an oyster. Uh, well, I can't go home. Uh, I've turned my home into an oyster den. Just, what does that look like? What does that look like? I, you pull I don't up a know. table you, why and you don't put you tell me, oysters? asshole? Is there a, I don't know. What? You got like a, a Murphy oyster <laughs> counter? I just don't. I can't. In my brain, cannot put it together. Yeah. So you have like a bucket of what oysters. Is it? And what people is it? What is a weekend? And, uh, <laughs> what is happening? I, maybe I. How is it just the weekend? Where are they during the week? Well, they're in the week. It's, you know, people are working 16 hour jobs. <laughs> so, and then what? So then you're like buying a bunch of oysters and putting them in your apartment, and yeah. then people are coming up to get them? And people, and you, it's a cellar, so it's where people eat them. It's like a little pop up restaurant. Your hotel, your hotel, your apartment becomes a pop up oyster house on the weekends. Where are the kids sleeping? What's it's- happening? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you just keep a bedroom. Maybe you just, I don't know. So this is what Downing starts doing when he moves to Manhattan. He starts doing the weekend oyster situation. He would pluck oysters himself at night and pretty soon had a rep for serving fat oysters at 5 Broad Street. And it becomes the city's favorite. And businessmen and politicians would hold meetings there. So at this point, he's no longer getting the oysters himself. But what he does do is he goes out to meet the ships before they get to dock. And he goes up on the ship and takes the best oysters from the ship before it gets to the general Is he, population. like, swimming out there? In his boat. He goes out in his little boat and meets oh, them. Oh, he goes, okay, right, okay, okay. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, what's going on? And he's like, I need... Your best and brightest. <laughs> I'm sure he. Uh, Tis I, the great man of oysters. <laughs> I'm sure he's got a trident. <laughs> he's just got like a fish leg. He's got fish legs. Tis I, land Poseidon. I'm sure he. I'm sure he tipped. He gave them cash to do that, right? Like whatever. But anyway, sure. it's working for him. He's getting the best oysters. Sure. Um, it's the only oyster cellar where a respectable woman could go, as long as she's with her guy. Wow. A, a woman cannot... Obviously. Diff, 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 diff. I didn't think she'd go in there alone. Well, a woman is forbidden from going to an oyster cellar alone. She has to be with her husband. As she... Sh- of course, Dave. She goes there alone. She might meet another woman. Then they get to talking, and you know what happens. <laughs> Next thing you know, they're cutting off the wieners. <laughs> mm, they're trying to get jobs and uh, leave the kitchen. It's a very disgusting idea, honestly. I feel a bit sick even thinking about Any it. Any <laughs> woman alone is labeled a prostitute. That's what they call her. If she's yes, alone. Yes, as, as again, as she should be. She clearly, if she's there alone, we know the deal. We're not idiots. And only, We're not idiots. And only certain sellers allow the prostitutes. <laughs> Right. So, 
very <sighs> bit harder to figure out what's going on than it was a moment ago, for sure. But still, uh, okay. Finally, a, an oyster cellar was opened for women only called the Ladies Oyster Shop. Yeah, I don't. Very close to a euphemism. Um, <laughs> they're knocking on the door of a. You know what I mean? It's not great. So Downing just, it, it's so popular. He expands the cellar. He takes over the businesses next door. He's just raking in dough. He, uh, sure. he just, he's got the best oysters and he's killing it. And once you're established like that, once you're the place to go to it, you know, it doesn't end. Oh, yeah. In 1642, yeah. $6 million of oysters were sold in New York, which is today would be $218 million. <laughs> So I should probably pull up a picture of this, but here's what would happen. So oyster barges would come in uh, and wagons would pull up to buy the oysters off the barges. But oyster barges didn't make a lot of money, so they would get pushed around like, well, now you can't dock here because there's a bigger business there, that kind of thing. Um, So the oyster Uh barges kept getting sort of, they would always be moved around the city. Um over the years, oyster barges became more elaborate. By 1880s, 30 oyster barges were t- tied up on the waterfront at any time. Now, they look like, they look like two-story buildings. Okay. So it, if you're standing looking at the dock, it looks like a bunch of buildings, but they're actually barges. Um, and they did that for business reasons. So shuckers and barrelers are on the lower deck. And upstairs are the offices where the deals are made. Okay. And, quote, the upper floor office was fairly elegant with an ornate oak desk and leather chairs. Sure. When the oyster business was at its peak... Uh, at any time, they there were eight, there were six million oysters at any time on the boats, the barges. Six million, at any given moment, mm-hmm. any given moment mm-hmm. you walked up, there were <laughs> six million. <laughs> it's so fucking crazy. It, it, out of control, crazy. Let me see if I can find... I think this is a picture... I mean, what okay. if you didn't like oysters, did they just, like, kill you? So, so look at... Okay, right. So, it's huge. They look, they look like buildings. Totally looks like a building. It, like, right. you wouldn't... Yeah. You can't tell the difference between an oyster barge and a building. They just back up and... Or front yeah. up or whatever it is. Yeah, that would be so up. funny to, like, just start, like, take your ship out again while someone's on there thinking they're in a building. <laughs> Excuse me, isn't there a road here a minute ago? So each of the barges made about a half a million dollars a year, and then dealers who would buy the oysters and then resell would make about a million dollars a year. So it took a a really long time, well into the 19th century, to learn that the best thing to do with oyster shells was to um, not to burn them for lime, or use them for road fill, but to actually put them back into the water so the new oysters could use the old oyster shells. Because apparently nature has this thing where it like... <sighs> what is nature... 
So nature, if I may, mm-hmm. is like a used car salesman. Mm. Well, nature has these things called systems. Nature's is nature nature's and nature's making money by selling <laughs> making money. the shells to the oysters, That's right? right? Yes. Na- I'm just trying to figure out nature's yeah, yeah. angle. Nature's here, like a middle It sort man. of seems like, yeah, like how much is nature making per shell? Right. What's it charging? Right. Also, I'd love to have a meeting with nature. Yeah, we'll see if we can get you one. But nature's pretty busy. (laughs) Would that be great? Well, I've been busy too. So, this is finally in the 1800s. They realized put them back in the water, and then oysters can use the lime to repair their shells, mend cracks, and just grow their shells. What a what a relief! (laughs) The more lime that's available, it turns out, the faster and thicker the shells grow. They must have just been like, wow, ah, there's like healing properties in here. I mean. Let's sell it. You're talking 250 years for them to figure that out. You know, it's interesting. when you, Instead of burning them, <laughs> we burned them. <laughs> Our first instinct was, well, let's let them on fire. A thing that comes from water, let's use the opposite <laughs> element on it. So smart. What great leaders. Uh, There were so many oyster dealers that they all met and decided they should consolidate. A dealer, quote, Mm. it is proposed to pool our issues, hire a hall, and organize an exchange, just as produce merchants and stockbrokers have done. An oyster exchange. (laughs) They tried, but they couldn't pull it off because oysters were too cheap. Which meant they didn't have enough money and political power. They weren't worth enough. Right. Right. Good shuckers had to open a thousand oysters a day to make a living. Jesus Christ. Shucking Jesus Christ. competitions became a regular thing. Uh, uh, Dave, it's just the tree of stupidity <laughs> watching the branches. <laughs> Sprout and flourish with the idiocy. Well, now we're going to compete at that. And that led to regional contests, state against state, etc. Manhattan versus well, New Jersey. Well, we're hoping here little Tim's got a, he's got a pretty good shuck arm. <laughs> we're hoping he's going to go to state and, you know, nationals might go pro. New York versus New England became a shucking rivalry. Oh, buddy, don't even get me started here. We're going to take it this year. No, we're going to take it this year, dude. You can't fucking shuck, Patrick. You don't know how to fucking shuck. Yeah. Let's Guys, go, Yankees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, oysters are like, hey, life's weird. <laughs> Our life seems to have been ruined by these things. Each year. It would go down to the two fastest shuckers in the country. If Manhattan hosted the event, it was held at Grand Central Station. There were huge crowds. There was betting, gambling. It was covered by all of the papers. In 1885, the champion opened 2,300 oysters in two hours and 18 minutes. Holy shit. The world record for 100 oysters opened was three minutes and three seconds. Oh, my God. There are still shucking competitions today. That's not good. 
But so 2302 hours and 18 minutes. So this contest nuts leads people to think the shuckers pay is reasonable because they're being paid sure. per oyster. If they can open that many in a contest, they can make good money. They're all millionaires. But no yeah. human being can keep up the pace he did in that two hours. But papers would print up the Robots. math. The New York Times, right, would print up the math and say, well, this is what they do in the contest. So this is how much they're making and make it seem like they're making a good living yeah. while they're really just making right. like three bucks a day, which is about $90 a day today. Right. Nice. In 1816, awesome. the city had built a market at Fulton Street. There's few, there's fruit, vegetables, there were fish, oysters and meat all being sold in stalls. The deputy clerk uh, lived in the building in a second-story space. Mm, nah. Lovely. <laughs> it was fine up until that point, and then you're like, nope, I don't uh, care for it. Yeah. Uh, that, hey, it smells up here. What, can we put all that stuff on the second floor and I live downstairs? <laughs> I know, yeah. No. On opening day, Harper's wrote, quote, It's a butcher's store, a fruiter's stall, an oyster counter, a coffee shop, a poultry yard, a fishmonger's estate. It's everything in one. There's got to be a catch. <laughs> It smells horrible. Just, I love the I love the idea of innovation where they're just like, look at this, we're doing everything in one building. So one guy put all the stuff near each other. <laughs> so back then, men did the shopping, not women or servants. Quote. Yeah, well, you can't try again, Dave. You get too many women together. Yeah, they're yeah, gonna yeah, start yeah. to, to yeah. talk about stuff, and it's not okay. Quote, it was common to see a wealthy, well-dressed, distinguished gentleman walking down the street with a chunk of raw meat or a bird or a fish in his hand. I'll have one bird. Okay, so I just want to point out that it sounds like it's unwrapped. Yep. He's just walking down the street with a chunk of meat. He grabs some meat, (laughs) and he's walking home with the meat. Uh, Let me get... Hey, Tony, let me get one of those (laughs) T-bones, huh? Have a good day. Oh, no, rain. Whoop. Well, I guess I'll trot home. <laughs> I mean, when was... Oh, gosh. Feral dogs. <laughs> when was... Oh, dearie dogs me. Dogs must have been loving it. Whoopsie. Let it slip down the old sewer. Oh, boy. Just dust that off a little bit. When do you think that, like, they came up oh, with Oh, gosh. Paper? Look at all these hawks. <laughs> uh, so at Fulton Street, locals and tourists would go there for late-night oysters. Doylan's Oyster Bar opened and was incredibly popular. It was packed until at least midnight. But then, when it got to the eight, so 50 years later, when it gets to the 1860s, the Fulton Street market is no longer unique. Uh, it's no longer a fancy place. It's crowded. It's dirty. It's dilapidated. But packed through the night. It is one of the main places to get oysters at 2 a.m. Do you think anybody at any point was just like, it's just me or these kind of suck? (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, I mean, it's like, I don't know. They're kind of like salty and kind of like an eyeball. What? What do you mean? (sighs) Nothing. Nothing. I love them. They're really, they're good. They're good for sure. I just, you know, we have pizza. You You guys remember pizza? Guy, third Uh, line. Out. Get out. 
Yeah, yeah. Get out. Well, why? I don't no, see I you just... anymore. Well, why not pizza? Pizza. You talk bad about oysters. You get the fuck out. But pizza's so good, and and why do you I don't think know, they call like... me the oyster Nazi? First of all, Nazi I, hasn't I been invented I... yet. Second of all, why do you think they call me that? I don't know. I guess I, I don't know what the you word just means. Found out. This conversation's taking a super bizarre turn. Fine. Seems like pizza's better for you. Oh, go ahead. Say it to my face. Say it to my oyster face. My dad died in an oyster bed. And then he, he turned into nutrients. And the What are you talking and about? That's what you're eating today. I'm are you suggesting that your advertising model is telling us that we're eating oysters that ate your dad? Dad oysters, yeah. That's that's what it's called the dad bed. It's crazy. It's not crazy. It's nature. <laughs> I shot him in the fucking head. What? Come on. To feed the oysters that these people are eating at Fulton Street Market. Because I care. God. And I'll kill my sons out there, too. What? Shouldn't they kill you? Wouldn't that make more sense? Uh, I'm the only one who knows how to do it. Okay. All right, yeah, anyway, I'm gone. I'm leaving here. Okay, see you got later. Big, got a bunch of meat in my hands anyway. Journalists started ripping on uh, the Fulton market in the 1870s. Quote, the reeking exhalation that arises from the heaps of oyster shells and garbage with which the gutters are dammed. There were now huge rats and thieves and pickpockets in the market. And plus, markets... You've got to wonder, why, why not rats? Like, okay, in this situation, why are people not... I know, but why are people not like, hey, look, rat burgers. Oh, rats on a stick. Like, some of this is just, it's just kind of... Well, the f- rats had never been blamed for plague. I mean, oysters had never been blamed for plagues, probably, first. Sure, but there's so many things that could be the trend, is my point. I agree, I agree. Like, but why would you not be why like... Why not? Because there are far more oysters than anything else. If you started eating the rats, there wouldn't be rats in two years. There's tons of oysters. Well, I think we find, I think we, I, I, Dave, I think we accidentally solved a big problem here. <laughs> so markets aren't, aren't needed anymore, really, by the 1870s, because there are carts everywhere, carts on every corner. Think of oyster carts the way we now think of hot dog carts in New York. That's what oh, oyster carts were. Oh, my God. <laughs> A penny each. Oyster stew costs 10 cents. But the thing is, going to the Fulton Market is still the ultimate New York experience. That's what you do. You're Vinny. It's 2 a.m. Where are you going to uh, go? Onions, relish, mustard. Thank you. <laughs> in 1854, several well-off New Yorkers got cholera and died, which was not normal. Cholera was considered a poor person's disease, as the people lived in the slums with all the filth. But now the rich got it. And some asked, well, could it be the oysters? Hmm. And this began... Paranoyster. What was known as the Oyster Panic. We're really, we're, we're really riding every possible version of this little tale, aren't we, David? 
there was a huge drop in oyster sales. Oh, no. The New York Times, quote, it is a solemn time when men refuse to eat oysters on invitation. How doleful the saloons seemed yesterday. Now the ground of this panic is... They're still doing it. Now the ground of this panic is a rumor that there is a sickness caused by eating oysters. The more we follow up these rumored cases of sickness, the less definite they seem. So the papers and men like Downing are pushing back. It is so goddamn similar to the way that cities are like, you need to come into work because... Well, I went into a saloon yesterday, and I don't know. It was pretty sad. All these people worried that they're going to get sick from eating oysters. Just got to wonder how much that's going to cut into the culture. Gareth, just two weeks after the panic began, the New York Times declared it over. The headline was, Oysters Again, the Panic Passed. Quote, Oysters, if you please, waiter. Stews for the ladies, a roast for the boys and for ourselves, raw, with a bit of lemon. They shall do <laughs> penance no longer. The Times pointed out that everyone ate oysters all the time, so how could a few deaths be blamed? And everyone went it's back time. to eating oysters. Yep. If you can imagine a time when no. the New York Times no. approached a serious health issue by just acting like it was over and told everybody it was fine by lying... That Who wrote it, Dr. Economist? We now know a main cause of cholera. And by the way, by the way, a big part of what that what your journalistic duty at that time or any time would be would be to say what the people are thinking and feeling versus what you are dictating should happen. We've well, had enough. The people don't buy ads in the paper. No, but it's also like the paper is bought in cities. So if people aren't out, your paper say, you know, I mean, it's all dictated by, I mean, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're market price, too. Um, we now know a main cause of cholera is actually food infected by sewage. And raw fish in particular is a very likely way to get cholera. Sorry, buddy. It ended. Nice try, Jagoff. It's over. Right. So this is a point in our story, 1854, where they could have cleaned up the situation, where they could have said, sure. oh, eating some money towards would cause people yeah. to die. That's not what happened because capital came out and said, no, we need to sell them. So instead of sell them and make them safe, it was just get back to sell them immediately. Some people will die, but it's fine. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the next year, the mayor began enforcing the old law restricting oyster sales from May 1st to September 1st, which he did because September 1st, had a, when the law was in effect, it had made it a very big day. Oh, the oysters are back. We're all going to eat oysters. So it was like a festive, fun day in New York. So he sure. wanted that feeling back, get back the joy of the oysters. But really, the oyster, pan the oyster panic had only really lasted a couple of weeks before the time said it was over. And by summer, everyone had forgotten about their, their fear of oysters, and they just kind of laughed at what he was doing. <laughs> now, as the railroads had been built, the oysters uh, were in more and more cities. And after the mid-1800s, um, 
and uh, the the love of oysters is just fucking crazy. It's it's hitting the whole country. Families are eating two oyster dinners per week. Every single class of people. It doesn't help that Americans have a terrible reputation as bad eaters. Uh, American James Fenimore Cooper called us, quote, the grossest feeders of any civilization known. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, sit down, Jack. You ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) Cuban Jose Marti said the American people, quote, enjoy quantity. We enjoy quality. Oh, well, I don't think this is what I love about us. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Well, the crazy thing is, is like, you know, people are always like, I listen to the dollop and I can't believe how the same everything is. And here in the mid 1800s, a guy from Cuba is saying Americans joy quantity. We let quality that has not changed at all. No. And I think it's like slightly walk down the frozen food aisle of any grocery store and you'll be like, yep. Yep. We're like, we're the, I mean, we're, we're the mad scientists who are just like, yeah, but what if a corn dog banged a pizza? (laughs) (laughs) So money means crime. In August, 1866, Asa Dixon and others were raking oysters two weeks before the season began. So some cops come. Not, 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 not. Okay. Now, they're not really cops. Remember when I said that they would deputize yeah, guys? That's what we're talking yeah. about. Oyster cops. I remember. So it was led, canceled because of that violent scene. Yes, led by Special Deputy Sheriff John Simonson. Um, these, these boats come up. And when Dixon sees the boats coming, he and his buddies, he's got like three guys with him. They're all on oyster shifts or skips or whatever they are. And they make, they make for a little Creek. Um, the other boats that are out there don't see the, the little special deputy coming. And so they stay out there and they get arrested. Um, and so Asa and his boys stay in the Creek and they think they've made it. And then Simonson comes rolling up the Creek and they start arguing and Simonson steps into Asa's boat. Asa raises a shovel and says, quote, you son of my bitch, you son of a bitch. Get out of my boat or I'll knock your brains out. And Simonson pulls out a gun. And then he said he, quote, slipped. And when he did, he shot Dixon in the forehead, killing him. Oh, man. man. So we are. Dave, come on. Well, are you? Well, the, come on. One of the problems with his story is shooting a guy in the forehead, middle of the forehead when you're slipping. That seems like a very. Very accurate Dave, shot. I just don't know. <laughs> I just, it's, it's just a remarkable, it's just, oh man. Oh gosh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. This country, come on, baby. Pay by numbers, baby. But Simonson is charged with murder and there was talk Why? Maybe of- slip for God's sake. <laughs> There was talk of lynching him. All the oyster men wanted to break him out and lynch him. Uh, but he gets tried and he is acquitted because at the end of the day, Asa Dixon was enforcing gathering oysters when he shouldn't have been. Yeah, right. A year later. Well, yeah, I mean, like we I mean, again, it's I've been pointed out by, you know, Morris <laughs> intelligent minds. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty obvious what 
the cops ultimately are doing in the long run. The 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 guise of the police force keeps kind of coming off more and more. <laughs> Where you're just going, it really seems like uh, the rich people are preparing themselves for something. Really does. Yeah. Uh, a year later, well, they then Simonson had to be rushed out of town. They they bought him a train ticket to get out of town because so many of Dixon's friends and relatives want to kill him. A year later, he was. Well, back he, they better he, watch out. He might be slipping again. Oh, he comes I, back. Cool. He comes back a year later, and he uh, is uh, hit by a car and smashed into another car while he's on the street and dies. The driver slipped. The driver slipped. Whoops. By the way, what a great death. There was also piracy happening. Um, Albert Hicks was... (laughs) There's just a bunch of corn in this shell. Yeah, it's an oyster. Albert Hicks was either shanghaied or hired to work on the oyster boat, A.E. Johnson. And on the first night out, quote... Suddenly the devil took possession of me, and I determined to murder the captain and crew that very night. He hit uh, a young crewman on the head and knocked him out, and then the second heard that and came running, and Hicks hit him in the head with an axe. And then he had an extended fight with the captain and finished him off, and and then by the end of the fight, the whole interior of the boat is soaked in blood. He takes the captain's money, which was going to be used to buy uh, oyster spats, and he took the boat close to shore and abandoned it and was found floating soon after, and a manhunt began for Hicks. They didn't know his name, but he was caught not, not long after with the 500, and he was executed by hanging on Liberty Island. 10,000 people came in their boats, many oystermen, to watch the hanging. Jesus Christ. His body was then stolen from his grave and sold to medical students. <laughs> Oh, okay. I mean, I'm okay with that, I guess. <laughs> so, right, it's so, so there's money involved, so now people are dying. Yeah, right. Yes, the stakes are getting higher. Yeah. London, um, London's a huge oyster town. People love oysters in London. There were 500 million eaten in 1851 and 700 million eaten in 1864. <laughs> Those are your people. Yeah. Every now it's don't, don't bring this to my doorstep. Every now and then I do have to just picture this. And boy, is it horrifying. <laughs> English scientists had decided oysters reproduced so rapidly they could never be exhausted. Yeah. It's like the royal family. But now in the mid 1800s, the English beds were exhausted. Hmm. Now the French had also exhausted their beds, but... By the way, the French are always exhausting their beds. (laughs) They love to bang. But they have a cultivating expert named Jacques Costa, and Costa gets into a heated fight with English zoologist Richard Owen about kangaroo reproduction. And this causes a giant rift because British scientists don't or like or trust Costa now. So the British ignore his work, his expert work on cultivating oyster beds. And so while the French had tons of oysters, the English now had none because two guys boy, had an argument about kangaroo. Boy, fun. boy, boy, oh boy. <laughs> wonder if anything like that will ever happen again and- 
when the British will just dig their stupid heels in over some sort of sea animal and, gosh, just take their ball and go home to the detriment of their own well-being. I wonder. Get picture it personally. In 1882, the London Daily, Time, Daily News wrote that their season of joy had turned into one of regret and envy of New York. <laughs> you fucking idiots. You just do it again. Uh, so the British, the British start buying New York. Remember, they've been all been kind of talking shit about New York oysters up until now. Okay, right. Um, and now they start buying New York oysters like crazy. Uh, we'll shuck your dick. <laughs> and the New York population around this time has exploded because uh, we're talking um, uh, p- potato famine and all this other shit. So it's it's a more and more people in New York, in England, are eating American oysters. Right. One million oysters a day are being harvested to eat. Jesus In 1889, Christ. in 1889, oystering ended along the Bronx with the dredging of the Harlem Ship Canal. So we've lost the oyster beds by putting trash and in, in, in landfill over it at the south tip now of the Harlem area. Now we've lost those because we're dredging to let ships go through. New York bans steam-powered oyster dredging as it had been leaving areas bare. With that change, it feels like the oyster beds can go on forever, right? They're like, if we get rid of dredging, this will be fine. But industrialization has increased and beds in the Harlem river are being abandoned because they're too close to factories. Ugh. So you've got a bunch of different things happening, right? You've got, they're, yeah. they're, they're losing beds because of, uh, infrastructure stuff. And then you're also losing beds because of factories. You can't, the oysters just taste bad. They're near a fucking factory. Yeah. They're not good. Yeah. In 1898, there came a new kind of restaurant. Oh God, uh, Dave, <laughs> Dave, this, I, you gotta understand. You just, just every time I feel like I've put myself in like the defensive position properly, a new restaurant. <laughs> Gareth, they were called lobster palaces. Ah, uh, what the fuck? What? Therefore, what? the rich. Therefore, rich people, the richy, richy, richest. It was the Gilded Age. Inside, fountains made of marble. They had sparkling chandeliers, thick velvet drapes. It is the place to be seen to eat fresh lobster and high, rich, high-calorie dishes which had become recently super popular with the wealthy and, of course, tons of oysters. They would pour out of the theaters after the shows were over and arrive in their limos and all go into the lobster palaces. Performers who had been at the theater, they would ask to sing and they would all applaud. People would get applause when they walked in just for being who they are. (laughs) The, The prices were called unimaginable. And the eating... Was at times gluttonous. There were two famous large people, 
actress wow. Lillian you Russell. You're really, hey, buddy. By the way, you're really coming at me right now. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is like an Uzi. Actress Lillian Russell and Diamond Jim Brady. He's a rich guy. She's an actress. We've talked about Diamond Jim Brady before. Yeah, we've talked about Diamond Jim Brady. I don't think we've ever talked about Lillian Russell. No, but um, Diamond Jim Brady was on the David Cross episode. The lost episode. The yeah. crossed episode. Yeah. So they would have eating contests. So the two of them would sit down and try to out-eat each other, and everybody would watch and enjoy the fucking hell out of it. It's just disgusting. If a maitre d' didn't want someone inside, they wouldn't get past the velvet rope. And this became known as getting the rope. Wow. So they invent, this is where the velvet rope was. The line, the, the magical rope line. One of the biggest lobster palaces was Rector's. It had 60 waiters and served millionaires. The oyster plates were ornate, hand-painted, custom-made, porcelain. So it was just, I mean, it was just, it's Rome. It's just gluttonous right. madness. It's pure Rome. Like, Rome tried yep. to, like, pass laws against gluttony. This is what we're talking about. To show how wealthy they were, they wanted they would... to just be swimming in food. Yeah. And the best food they could get. Yeah. So the great oyster boom was officially from, I think, 1880 to 1910. And Beds produced 700 million oysters a year. Wow. They're sold on every street corner, in cellars, <laughs> for the rich in the palaces. Oyster practices, some oyster practices, become controversial. One of which was drinking. So... That was when oysters were harvested and then taken and put in holding tanks and floated in fresh river water. Using this process, they would become whiter and plumper, but they'd lose flavor. So the Department of Agriculture starts looking into drinking because they're artificially increasing the size and then being able to charge more. And it's and, not, right, it's not quality. Right. Oh, and the river water that we're talking about is super polluted. <sighs> so they're essentially swelling up the oyster with polluted water. Oh, man. <laughs> Would you like a toilet oyster? <laughs> well, it's factories, right? Factories are just yeah, dumping right, pollution right. into rivers. Guanas right. Bay, which remember early on. So we it's said like we're had, finally having like oilsters. Yes. They're totally, so Guanas Bay, which had yeah. foot long oysters. Tons. Tons. Yeah. Is now closed because of raw sewage. Oh my God. What the fuck is with us? <laughs> Get it together, you idiots. This is, it's not like we're doing this to save the oysters. This is for you. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Same with the Jamaica Bay Beds. They're also closed because of sewage. The, the Jamaica Bay Beds are getting closed and reopened all the time because of sewage situations. New York is now dumping sewage and garbage at sea. Some of it's washing back. Sometimes the waste, including dead animals, washed up onto popular beach resorts. Ah. Uh. <laughs> 
Good though. Good. Fuck them. It's so gross. It's the idea of just putting it in the sea and then having like a low (laughs) trash tide. When they sing to animals, we're talking about like horses washing up. Yeah, right. We're just like, oh my God, is that a serve? Oh my God, that's a full grown horse. (laughs) But imagine being an environmentalist this time. You're just like, "Ah." oh, you're just like, hey, uh, I'm going to just have to say no to everything that's don't. Hey, do the opposite. Is this seem bad? What? Seem what bad? No. Well, what do you 40 mean? Pigs on the beach. Carcasses. Yes, and a bunch ones. of trash and whatnot. Oil. Yeah, exactly. Well, how do you know they're pigs? They're oil pigs. You can see the shape. Yeah, well, look, uh, I think, look, what's great is that the pigs are absorbing a lot of that oil. That's I kind of nature so. working its little magic. Don't you think? No. Oh. Smell that ocean air? Oh, man. It's not. It smells like feces. My nose is really bleeding. It's bleeding a lot. God. Yeah. Open your eyes now. Yeah. Well, one of those eyeballs is out, but gosh. Soak it in, would you? (laughs) 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 By 1910... 600 million gallons of sewage was dumped into New York City water daily. (laughs) Floating summer bathhouses off Manhattan. So they would bring out these bathhouses that float and you could swim in the river with your family or whatever. You could like floating summer bathhouses off Manhattan sometimes had visible sewage floating amongst the swimmers and the kids would come out covered in filth. (laughs) <laughs> what a lovely escape we are just animals like just oh yeah like, i know just we're like it, look it, at those honestly, rats the, and then <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna solve i'm gonna solve a problem right now and it's not great because it's gonna be the wealthy i'm gonna take it back never mind i'm not even gonna solve it anymore okay well we fine. should just legalize cannibalism You should be able to eat humans. In 1904, Irish cook Mary Mellon was determined to be the source of a typhoid outbreak in Oyster Bay, Long Island. She was determined? Determined to be the source. Okay. They found, they realized she was the source. Oh, deter, sorry. In my head, it's her like, oh, I'm going to give everyone typhoid. (laughs) Well, this is Typhoid Mary. Right, right, right. Public health officials realized oysters were reflecting water quality, and they had sewage Mm -hmm. in them, which was leading to typhoid outbreaks. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's not good for business, Dave, so why don't you bite your tongue? And oysters showed New York was dumping way too much sewage into the water. So drinking, the process of drinking... Was yeah, right. banned. The fattening of the oysters with river water. Right. It's banned by the Pure Food Department, which is a federal federal department. But large oyster packers fight back. Yeah. And they say floated oysters are better and they're more tender. And they've got oil in them. And the papers backed them. One said, quote, the practical man knew more than the scientist. 
and people pushed, and the decision was reversed. Oh, sweet God. <laughs> if you could imagine the New York Times saying the practical man knew more than the scientist, you would understand the year 2022. Many people now believe that because the government could measure pollution, they didn't have to worry about it. Well, that's actually a logical assumption. I guess. I mean, you would think you'd be like, hey, all right, they figured it out. Yeah. But then health departments look into it, and what they found was there is no unpolluted fresh water for oysters. <laughs> so the drinking, no matter what they do, is going to make them worse. Right. So drinking is again banned. See, that's the difference between then and now. Yeah, maybe. We'll see how long it takes. Um, York oysters from York Bay were no longer edible because of sewage. And they couldn't, and, but they could be used as seed oysters. So the spats, they start sending to California to be grown out there. And a little while later, a commission on New Jersey oysters noted the California oysters were small and had lost, quote, the unpleasant flavor it derives early in life from the polluted Newark waters. I love how this is like, we've concluded that uh, pollution makes things taste like shit. Right, so the oysters taste terrible uh, from from Newark because they're Jersey, just yeah. fucking Cause shit it's water. Pollution, right? The Passaic River, once the best fishing river in New Jersey, was now so polluted it emitted fumes that blistered paint on nearby river houses. Is that bad? I don't think so. People abandoned their homes due to the smell. Oh my god! <sighs> and isn't that the Jersey State motto? Yes. In 1900, the oysters off New Jersey could no longer be eaten. They were used for seeding. And then sturgeon catches dramatically dropped off, killing off the caviar industry. Fish in shallow water were suffocated in oil spills. Shad were driven out of the Hudson. In 1924, the Times reported lobster and bluefish were disappearing. Well, uh, uh, Dave, I like to think when a lobster dies, it goes to the lobster palace. Heaven. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But Gareth, people were not complaining about sewage as much as they had about the dyes that were being released in the water by factories, which were not toxic. People who lived by the Gowanus Canal thought the dyes smelled bad, but it was actually the visual. Dyes changed the color of the water every single day, and the canal became nicknamed Lavender Lake. And poor people would go out and stand on the bridges with their asthmatic kids because they thought the fumes could heal them. Oh, boy. (laughs) This is a dark moment. Oh, that's some bad stuff right there, Jack. Oh, man. Oh, man. How many got cured? Oh, God. 
I mean, wouldn't that be a thing? Wouldn't you think some would have to get better? But it's, it's like, that's gotten worse. I don't know what this cure all is. Jesus I don't know. Christ. Plus, I can see the veins in his face now. <sighs> really breathe it in there, John. Soak it in. Deep breaths. Big breaths. There we go. Heal that asthma. In 1914, the sewage washing up on beaches led the city to start closing public beaches. Okay, so this is this is so great because the answer should be to stop putting sewage in the water. Yeah. Well, just wait. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was just thinking this like two days ago because I have the Dawn dish soap. And I was looking at it, and it's the same label it's been probably my whole lifetime or close to it. And it has a duck, a baby duck with oil on it being washed. And we've become so lulled into the idea that, that animals get covered in oil that Dawn dish soap feels comfortable enough being like, our spokesman is basically a duckling covered in oil. And we're washing it. And it's so fucking, like, if you just step back, you're like, wait, what? And they're like, this is a great soap for your dishes. And also, when we put oil all over animals, it really is helpful to clean them with it. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Newton Creek. cool, though. Newton Creek is on the Queens, uh, Brooklyn border. It smells so bad, residents in both boroughs and also Manhattan had to keep their windows closed in the summer. Wow. So a resident group formed called the 15th Ward Smelling Committee. Okay. To smell out the sources of the pollution and odors. So, uh, okay. People, walk, people walking around. People with that snout smelling, cloud. <laughs> sm- <Yeah. smelling. laughs> I think it's coming from over here. I agree. I do think it's in that direction. Come on, everyone. They came up with a list of polluters, like a fertilizing company and a, quote, dead animal wharf. Do we really need them? How are you living? At what point are you like, what about not a dead animal wharf? Like, how are you? Who who who, needed? I get it. It's the fucking fucking early 1900s. But what about not a bunch of dead animals at a wharf? Who needed a nose posse to be like, I think this place smells. Yeah, no, no shit. No shit. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, the dead animal wharf. Yeah, got a bit of a hum to it. I promise to clean up the dead animal wharf. Look, come on. I think we're all crazy. Like, the guy who was, like, the PR person for the dead animal wharf was like, I don't know. It smells pretty good to me. It seems fine. It was fine for my dad. It wasn't fine for me. (laughs) Everything's fine. Now go to Horse Beach. (laughs) (laughs) Now, John Rockefeller had opened an oil refinery site on Newton Creek in 1872. By 1900, it had dumped enough pollution to kill the creek. No one had realized the harbor was really in bad shape until the typhoid oyster link happened. 
Right. New York restaurants now became concerned, especially after a British court ordered a hotel to pay a typhoid victim $1,320. So chefs stopped serving Roy raw oysters and, and Roy just, oysters and roysters the, the Roy the oyster Royster. tycoon Royster so they're just doing cooked now uh, New York Times was calling them quote sewage fed oysters bad for business that's bad for by business. the way and the Times just to be clear is the one yes. that keeps being like eat them get out there let's go that's correct uh, 30 what was it 30 uh, no 50 60 years ago the New York Times when the typhoid connection was made. They could have said, and the oyster panic happened. They could have said, Hey, we need to clean the water. And their response they just was, said, Hey, we need to get oysters back in people's mouths as soon as possible. So let's lie. Yes. That's what the New York yes. times did. If only there was a modern day correlation, but they prevented us going into a wreck. So, uh, New York oysters, start getting a reputation for tasting like petroleum. I wonder what that's about. But it's still the oyster capital of the world. Only half as many are being produced there as at the peak in 1909. The big oyster houses, the wholesalers, now stop investing in the oyster beds. And in 1916... Because there's no point. Yeah, they're not going to make money. In 1916, a typhoid outbreak is traced to oysters. And in January 1920, the Times wrote, quote, Oysters, once plentiful, are gradually being classed as luxuries and will soon become a delicacy. The reason, according to the government, was, quote, pollution of waters in which oysters ordinarily spawn. The Jamaica oyster beds were closed again in 1921. Forty sewage lines we're now emptying into Jamaica Bay. There were several cases of typhoid. Those beds produced one third of oysters for the New York market. So they built an oyster purification plant near Jamaica Bay. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's so dumb. Just fucking stop. It's like this is like this is like the carbon offsetting. It's like or just stop polluting. No, no, no. Uh, but they the oyster. The thing about the oyster purification plant is it just kind of made them realize uh, that uh, the water being used could not be polluted, and that's all they had was polluted water. So that wasn't going to yeah. work. So they were like, hmm. Still, no what one else cleans could up the we pollution. Do? No, not clean sure. up the pollution. Person. Not that. not an option, right? Yep. In 1924, there was another typhoid outbreak due to a blocked sewer, which could have been fixed in 30 minutes with a $5 part. So articles about pollution in papers are regularly being published now. And in 1927, the final Raritan bed, which is the one between Jersey and Staten Island, the final one is closed. And that's it. Oystering in New York Harbor is over. The pollution also killed Man. clamming, lobstering, and commercial and sports fishing. So weird. It's so weird because what would the connection be for all that sea life? I don't know. It's just... It's a mystery. Whatever the oysters had was, was 
contagious or something. Yeah, yeah, it was an infection of some kind. It was it was not airborne, but uh, waterborne. Waterborne. Which, by the way, was how I was brought into this world. Waterborne. Stop talking. Okay. New Yorkers can't wait out to catch Darren anymore. No one can earn a living from the sea. But they keep eating oysters. <laughs> Just not as many and imported. They're imported. They're not, they're not okay. using New York oysters. Okay. If an oyster is opened carefully, it is eaten with a working brain and organs. If you open it carefully, it's alive and you eat it. The liquor, as it's called, that gives it flavor is mostly blood. Ugh. In 1932, at the Oyster Growers Association Convention in Atlantic City, Dr. Vera Coring of the U.S. Bureau of Fisheries said it was cruel and inhuman to open an oyster shell and pry it loose. Quote, the oysters, before being shelled, should be given an anesthetic. The oyster growers really did not think this was a good idea and did not inform the public. That, that's the thing, like... It... <laughs> That's what I can never get past is like that sort of like whenever I see footage of someone dropping lobsters in hot water or crabs in hot water and talking like now what you're going to do is I'm like, hey, but their their whole life. What the fuck? But the thing they're going through right now is like hell, total hell. Um, Have you ever seen the the Chinese? It's like a delicacy where they eat the clam with a big worm sticking out of it and they eat it raw. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it, yes. It's like, and it like I squirts. I can't, I, like I don't want to live anymore. Like yeah. I don't know yeah. why. No, there's a lot anywhere. of that. We yeah, there's a lot of yeah. stuff where you're like, hey, how about, hey, no? what if that didn't happen? How about respect it if you're going to eat it a little or something? In 1934, New York loses a Supreme Court case and has to stop dumping gar- garbage at sea. So the city starts using landfills. And wetlands We've... become trash piles. Ugh. In 1948, the city created a 2,100-acre landfill at Fresh Kills in Staten Island. 12,000 tons of garbage arrives a day. In 1951, the New Yorker published an article titled The Bottom of the Harbor. Quote, the bulk of the water in New York Harbor is oily, dirty, and germy. Men on the mudsuckers, the big harbor dredges, like to say that you could bottle it and sell it for poison. Oh, God. I mean, capitalism is disgusting. (laughs) You know what you could do is bottle it and sell it as poison. I'm an ideas man. The bottom of the harbor is dirtier than the water. In most places, it is covered with a blanket of sludge that is composed of silt, sewage, industrial wastes, and clotted oils. An old-timer on Staten Island was quoted as saying, it's getting worse and worse. Everything is getting worse. Nice. It's black gunk. It's black gunk, and there are gas bubbles popping out of it. So cool. It accumulated in some places at a foot and a half a year. The Guanus Canal sometimes popped out gas bubbles the size of basketballs. You've done that. (laughs) People would stand on the piers to watch the black water spit and burst. We're nuts. <laughs> we are nuts. I, have you ever seen the, um, the hot mud uh, at Yellowstone? No. 
Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a hot, gassy mud. It's the same thing, except this is... Yeah. It's like man, instead of man versus nature, it's man bangs nature. On Staten Island, the mansions built by the free black people were now abandoned and surrounded by fetid water. New York kept dumping sewage sludge at the site 12 miles out at sea until 1987. This created a 16-square-mile uh, zone nicknamed the Dead Sea. Over 30 species of fish still somehow entered the, harbor, entered the harbor each year. The oyster beds, mostly dead. There's some hardy, badass ones sticking around, but they're pretty much gone. Some old New Yorkers, however, refused to believe they were too polluted, and the health department had to enforce the oyster beds. The industrial pollution is heavy metals, zinc, copper, lead, chromium, which had gone into sewers every single day for years. There were hydrocarbons from oil, uh, pesticides from farms came down the river, DDT, Deldrin, Endrin. Between 1940 and 1970, GE dumped hundreds of thousands of pounds of PCBs into the Hudson, then asbestos and solvents in the 60s and 70s. Oh, and then came Agent Orange from the Diamond Shamrock Company. The rivers that gave the harbor life were now filling it with poison. In 1978, Raritan Bay had the highest concentration of copper ever reported in any estuary in the world, ever. USA, baby. <laughs> Fish had PCB, and they were misshapen. Their fins would fall off. Harlem catfish still go blind. An environment movement started to save the Hudson. And groups took on utility and oil companies, industries, city halls, and federal agencies. The Anaconda Wire and Cable Company in 1971 was charged by the U.S. Attorney of 100 counts of violating the Refuse Act of 1899, and they had to stop dumping in the river. The United States then passed the Clean Water Act. All bodies of water had a deadline of 1985 to become swimmable and fishable. Blue fish are now back in New York Harbor. Striper are everywhere. The Hudson has many fish and is one of the healthiest estuaries in North America. New York mm. Harbor is swimmable. Not all the fish are edible, though. Shad is okay because they're obsessed with uh, sex, so they don't eat while they're in the harbor. The Guanas Canal still does not have enough oxygen for fish or oysters. Oysters recently left there died within two weeks. Their shells had been eaten away by acid. Ugh. Jamaica Bay beds still have no life. There are oysters in the East River, in Arthur Kills, and other spots in the harbor. A few oysters have begun living off a pier in Tribeca. Groups have been trying to bring back the, oil, the, the oyster beds for many reasons, and a big one is flood protection, which will be needed with climate change. And oysters are the self-cleaning system of water systems, it turns out. A healthy oyster population filters and cleans bay water. It becomes clear, light penetrates, allows habitats to grow. Kathy Drew of the River Project, quote, We project that if the oysters were here in the numbers they used to be, they would clear the water in the harbor in a few days. So oyster reefs are back in some areas in New York Harbor, but there's no chance of eating them in our lifetimes as uh, the water has too much heavy metal. Wild oysters are now considered functionally extinct in the New York region. Man. As the sea repairs itself, old feuds rise. 
from the New York Times in 2007. The border skirmish is waged by shirtless men in small boats stabbing long rakes into the black muck of Raritan Bay and by bureaucrats in Albany and Trenton. The prize is clams, little necks, and cherry stones, meaty and healthy, and once again plentiful enough to fight over. The hard-shell clam is flourishing anew in Raritan Bay, the reach of lead and water that divides Staten Island from the north end of the Jersey Shore. But its recovery has revived an angel dispute between New Yorkers and New Jersey. And this round, clamors and officials in New York complain that New Jersey is looking the other way as its baymen wander across the state and dig in New York. <laughs> We're it's fucking just... crazy. People are fucking uh, crazy. Um, uh, man. So there's a really good TED talk about how reintroducing wolves changed the shape of streams in Yellowstone because our systems are designed, the earth systems are designed to work together. Do you have a wolf there now? Pablo, stop! Yeah, I can shut wolves up. Power. All these systems at work, are these things exist for a reason. They're in place for a reason. They work with each other to keep everything functioning, and we're completely obliterating it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm like the, right, well, yeah, right now it's... the earth is New York Harbor. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just, like, is balance. We've been lucky in the way that we've been able to kind of, you know, that the Earth is so resilient that so much of it is, um, I mean, it just really is. Like, we've just put a fucking beating on it. And there are a lot of ways that it just kind of self-heals. But we now have pardon the pun, our foot on the gas. Yeah. It's annoying, I guess, to keep saying that so much of this just comes right down to capitalism. But you just you're going to ruin everything if your goal is only profit. And then I just don't you know, I mean we've talked about this endlessly, but like so what is their plan when there's nothing left to sell? <laughs> When, you well, know then, what I mean? Like, what is their plan? And you just realize the more you get into it that they don't have that part at all either. The people who are running it all in charge are, they're just the worst people. They're the worst, you know, I mean, you talk about how the, all the shit in the harbor floats and sticks to the bottom. That's what happens to our top. The worst, chunkiest, murkiest bullshit sticks at the top and is in charge. And you posted that video yesterday where that guy was basically like, you know, he's just making that point, which we've said before, but, you know, just you should, there should just simply not be like if you need a line, no billionaires. No billionaires. No not billionaires. allowed. Not allowed. No. It's just when you let this happen and the accumulation to go to these individuals and have so much, and instead of them being worried about the guillotine, they're celebrated by some of us. It's, it's just like, 
you know, I mean, I, I guess I used to be so fixated on saving it all. And it really does tell you how bad things have gotten when you're like, we just need to go. And <laughs> that's it. And you, it's the idea that you're a part of this species and rooting against it is sort of this really, it's a paradox because you're like, how can I be saying that I want, I mean, but that's the only way it can work. It's the only way. And even then, we're taking so much down with us. Yeah, I mean, we're it's, taking everything you know, down with us. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, some stuff will figure it out, but you know, we're, you know, we're <laughs> the Earth went through all these different changes through random acts and and whatnot, but we we decided that we just went to the fucking pool and just filled it with shit and piss, and then we're like. Hey, it kind of sucks to swim here. I mean, th- this story is just so incredible because you're you're just wa- you're watching it play out, and like like you yeah. said, the the rich are in lobster palaces and they're partying, and at that's exact point when everything is just completely crumbling. Yeah, but they don't notice because they're having a fucking awesome time, and it's they it's like champagne, ju- and it's just like you know. They knew for a long time that the sewage and the pollution and everything was destroying the sea, and they just keep going until there's nothing left. And then they're like, "Yeah, oh, uh, we should clean this." But that's not an option for yeah. the Earth. Well, it's also why when you have a government that is run by the extreme elderly, <laughs> it's a really bad idea. <laughs> it's a really bad idea. Um, sources, Mark Kurlansky, The Big Oyster. Uh, that was the main source. It's a really good book. Uh, Documents of the Assembly of the State of New York, issues 68 through 114. New York Times, uh, Jenny.com, Captain George Burr, the social historian, Oysterman shot, deputy sheriff arrested, and Lobstergram.com, Lobster Palace Society. A lobster Man, Palace that Society. is just, that, that is like... Truly, I mean, as usual, just one of the craziest fucking stories. I thought I really thought it's I was like, gonna. I thought I was gonna write a quick episode about oysters. I didn't. I thought it would be like, hope I can get five pages out of this. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, the oysters, like that was New York uh, City. No, like, a two-parter. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. I was like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, it's just totally crazy, totally yeah. crazy. But yeah. as usual, anyway. Good luck, everybody. It's not going to go great. (laughs) Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, This is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't. But we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it. But either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh 
this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.